Welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, Managing Partner and CEO of Cordell and Cordell. We continue to bring you information for guys before, during, and after divorce. We are now entering week 40 of our pandemic as we continue to bring you a podcast twice each week. Keep in mind, we also do virtual town halls. So check that out for January. You want to go to CordellCordell.com and get more information about the next virtual town hall where you can log in live and ask questions of the panel of Cordell and Cordell attorneys and get answers right then and right there. But otherwise, you can check out our YouTube page, which will have information and podcasts just like this to get you information, educational tools, and equip you to have great conversations with an attorney who practices exclusively in family law. As always, we're available for consultations. You can reach us at 866-DADS-LAW or find us on the web again at cordellcordell.com to schedule your consultation via Zoom just like this, FaceTime. You can do it via phone. You can do it in person where appropriate considering health and safety. Just always keep in mind where you are and, and what's going on. So let's get right to it. As you know, we don't I want to dispense legal advice. This is not a substitute for a consult, as I just said. So we just want to equip you with some right questions to ask your attorney. And I'm rejoined uh, by a guest from previous time, at Carolyn from the Independence Ohio office. Welcome. Hi, Scott. Hey, thanks for joining again. Uh, discovery, that's a good one. You know, it's a, it's a term that uh, either clients going through it, thinking about it, um, it's a little complicated from their perspective. I get it. Lawyers tend to use these legal terms like request for production or interrogatories. But let's talk about depositions. I am a huge fan of depositions uh, in my you know, my personal practice with my clients, I don't like to proceed without one, uh, unless, obviously, unless it's settled and right away, but uh, we'll talk a little bit about it, and let's start out kind of right off the top, because many don't necessarily, they may know, uh, but you may not know. What is a deposition? Kind of walk guys through that. So, Scott, I'm like you. I'm a big fan of depositions. I think that they're underutilized by a lot of attorneys in domestic relations practice, and I think that they have such a value to your case. Uh, a deposition, for anyone who doesn't know, is a uh, basically like a mini hearing, except it's one-sided. So if I'm giving a deposition, um, if I'm hosting it, then I get to ask all the questions. And I have a court reporter there who is recording everything and taking down every single word that's being said. The witness is sworn in. The witness could be someone in the case that's very important to the case, um, or it could just be one of the parties. It could be wife, for example. And then uh, the deposition is a chance for me to ask all the questions that I have. Opposing party can really, through their attorney, only object. Uh, it's not like a trial environment, and I can get everything in that I want to, and it kind of gives you a nice little preview of trial, um, and the deposition then gets tra uh, transcribed by the court reporter, and you end up with a transcript of exactly what was said that you can go through in case you don't um, remember a certain thing, and you can use it in a lot of different ways in the case after that. Yeah. You know, it's, as you're thinking about it in depositions, um, I've been doing this for almost 28 years, which makes me feel really old. A um, little longer than me. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. I, I kind of lose track after time how long I've been doing it. But um, previous to doing some family law, I did civil litigation. I did employment defense work. And I was always a big believer that at times in that area, you could win or lose a case in a deposition because uh, it's so important, but family law for me is fact gathering. I, I'm a big 
um, you know, proponent of doing it just to get information from the other side. I technically, or realistically, because this is so emotionally charged, you're not necessarily going to win unless you really have something that they don't know that you have that embarrasses them completely, and they just want it to be over with. But it really is, as you suggest, ask questions, get answers. Um, I am really trying to just figure out what they know that I don't know or put them in a corner. So I guess that what is the difference between a deposition and the other forms of discovery that attorneys can do? Because there's a lot of them. There's a lot of things in the discovery section. So what's the difference here? So I think the deposition is a more effective discovery tool than written discovery. Um, and what written discovery is, is what you opened this podcast with. You mentioned requests for documents, which is exactly what it sounds like it is. It is a written request for production of documents to the other party. You tell them what you want and they should produce it and for how long. So I want your taxes for this many years, please produce it. Um, then there's interrogatories, which are a series of questions that the person is supposed to answer under oath. Um, but you know, if you're doing interrogatories, here's the difference. So I send you interrogatories and it's like your attorney answering it or helping you answer it. If I ask you these questions in real time in a deposition, you can't go for every single question to your attorney and get help with your answer. Um, it produces a lot more of a real response and it gives you a preview of how someone might testify in court. Um, and then in terms of the request for production of documents, so what I like to do personally when I do a deposition, I like to uh, issue a request for production of documents first. I like to get that response back. Then I like to go through those documents and mark them up for my deposition. I like to engage my client in this process also, because sometimes, you know, if I'm looking at something on a bank statement, I might flag something as suspicious, but that client might really know what is suspicious on a bank statement. And so it's a nice way to be engaged in the process of your own case as a client and helping your attorney prepare for a deposition. But if you don't get responses back, the deposition is a great way to hammer your witness on why didn't I get this? Where is it? Who has it? What, what's your bank? I sat in the deposition once that I'll never forget where this person lied and said that they didn't remember where they bank. And uh, the attorney, I was not first chair on that case, but we had the guy pull out his wallet. It wow. was a, a husband in that case, but we had him pull out his wallet and read us his debit cards. So that's something that you can't get from a request for production of documents. Yeah. And that's a reason totally. that a deposition is so valuable, especially when you have someone who you think is just being a little slippery, trying to hide stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's a great example. It's, it's very similar. You, know, you can watch these crime shows. Police interview people in person for a reason. They don't just say, right. you know what? Let me send you a list of questions. You know, in a deposition for me, it's very fluid. Um, I was taught in law school that, you know, being a good listener and then take, letting them take the deposition in the direction so that you can kind of find the information you don't know exists. Um, but as you mentioned, kind of memorable depositions and, and being in person matters as opposed to a request. Uh, I deposed a, opposing counsel one time on the request for attorney's fees, which we could do here in Missouri. And rather than just getting their statements, which I could have just done, I was able to discover in these billing statements that this attorney billed for 28 hours of bill time in one 24-hour period. Yeah. And <laughs> right, and I so I started cross-examining her and saying, "Did you sleep at all on the 10th of December?" You know, and and she didn't know where I was going, and just to show the unreasonableness, perhaps outright fraud, whatever unethical billing, um, but that couldn't have happened in a request for production. 
I mean, it is the best cross-examination. And I did it. Normally, I won't go after them like that. But this one was just so easy. And uh, I I just, I like knowing, seeing them looking at expressions. You know, you you can see people being evasive. You can start to see if they may or may not be telling the truth or that, you know, they slip up. It's it's the classic of, you know, I tell clients, hey, when the question is, what's your name? Don't always tell me your birth date, where you were born, who you're married to, where you live kind of thing. It's you get that in a, in a, in a very nervous, you know, person on the other side. So you can get a lot of information that you otherwise wouldn't get. And so I guess that really answers kind of why you should choose it because you're going to get the information, right? What else would, why else would I want a depot? Well, they teach you, if you're a good lawyer, they teach you that you never ask a question that you don't already know the answer to in trial, Mm -hmm. but in a deposition, I'm going to ask whatever. I'm going to ask the questions that I want to see how that person is going to respond because I will know how they might respond at trial. And if they do respond differently at trial, I can pull out the deposition transcript and hopefully I've, uh, you know, submitted it as an exhibit ahead of time, but I can use it to um, impeach the witness at trial and make that person look uncredible. Um, and domestic relations cases really always come down to, is the person credible or aren't they? And uh, if you have the opportunity to make someone look uncredible, then you're in a really good position moving forward in your trial. So that's another yeah. way that I would use a deposition is just if I had a question that really I didn't know the answer to and my client wouldn't understand you know, how they might respond, I would like to ask that in a deposition setting because in a deposition, I'm running the show. I'm controlling it. If I think that the deposition is going to go into an area where I don't really want to go, I'm going to pull myself back and not ask the questions because mm-hmm. I know that there's no follow-up. Opposing counsel is not going to have the opportunity like they would in trial to revisit that. And mm-hmm. if I had misstepped or asked something that gave the other person an opportunity, opposing counsel could go into that in trial. But in a deposition, you can't. So it's a nice little uh, trial preview, I yeah. think. Totally. And then I think that uh, if you were going to control, I'm sorry. No, so if you were going to control your deposition a little bit more, there's other ways that I use depositions too. In a custody case, for example, I would like to use a deposition to uh, get the other parent to look bad. And I could sit the guardian in my deposition. If you have a guardian ad litem in your, um, in your jurisdiction, we do in Ohio. Um, and in my, like, in my geographical area of Ohio, guardians like to be involved in the depositions if mm-hmm. you're having one. So I could get some information in the guardian's head by using a deposition so that they can expand on what their knowledge is of the other parent as it relates to parenting, how they look at the other parent, can they make decisions jointly, what have you. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell and Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now. Yeah, it's huge for clients. I always say, look, I know 
you're, you, you, I hope you tell me everything about your case and everything about your marriage and all the bad stuff. I always ask, you know, what's the worst thing she's going to say about you? But it does give me an opportunity, for example, to, to ask the wife, all right, tell me all the reasons why you're divorcing him. I want to know them all because, you know, lo and behold, you may not say, well, he's a drunk, he's a gambler, he beats me, he beats our kids, you know, whatever. Uh, he may have forgotten to say that. Imagine that at trial. Now I got to scramble. I got to figure out evidence to, to refute some crazy allegation, perhaps. And it is about, from a judge's perspective, about likability. You know, if they believe one crazy allegation, it's over. And so it, I want to know it all. You know, what are all the reasons why, you know, my client shouldn't have equal time? Give them to me it's all. It's so true. Yeah. That's and if a they really, come to trial, really good point. right, with another reason, well, what happened between. 60 days ago and today for you to raise this new allegation and now then becomes where they're making up stuff and again it's about cornering someone in in their positions and then being able to prepare in federal court I used to try a lot of federal cases and when I did civil you know all of your witnesses had to be disclosed all you know every you pretty much knew everything and in domestic at least here in Missouri and Illinois and Georgia where I practice you don't know. You're going to show up and someone can be walking in those doors and you're not prepared for. And that's why depositions are just so crucial. Because I'm going to ask, you know, tell me all the people that you anticipate will have facts and evidence to support your claims. And so it's pretty interesting. And I, I'm a big believer of depots. And, and I know they can be expensive. But I guess then to offset the expense, how can a client, you know, guys listening right now, how can they help you prepare for the deposition? Oh, there's so many ways that clients can be involved in the preparation for depositions. Um, there are some of the ideas that I give to my own clients are to prepare timelines. Um, so for example, if you were in a case where tracing was an issue of separate property, um, to have a timeline in place would really help. Oftentimes, you know the facts of your case so much better than anyone else. So if you can give your attorney an outline of what those facts are, we can work within them because we want to know your case as well as you do. It only helps you to give us all the information possible. Um, there are other things that you could do, such as going through bank statements, which I mentioned before, and flagging certain things in bank statements for your lawyer and letting your lawyer know, you know, I'd really like you to ask about this transaction or why was... $10,000 withdrawn on December 10th. That's really fishy. I've never seen that money. I don't know where it went. Um, because then, you know, we can ask follow-up questions on that. And then also their depositions are an opportunity for you to get some stuff in or get things talked about that maybe you would not have the latitude to do at trial. Mm -hmm. So I have my clients use text messages I'll go into them, I'll ask them, you know, I'll embarrass people based on how bad their texting was. Social media posts, you know, it's very difficult sometimes in trial to get social media posts in, but you can use a deposition to show people, look, like this is how bad trial can be. And maybe then you can push a settlement out of your deposition because they got hammered in that depo. They know that it's gonna be like that in trial and they have more of an incentive to settle. Um, and then really just, you know, asking your own questions. Um, so I have my clients just send me quick bullet points. You know, what are the areas that you want to touch on? Is there something that you really want to know the answer to? And there are certain things like in Ohio, affairs don't really matter. So if you wanted to ask some questions just to get closure, mm -hmm. that position mm -hmm. is really a good opportunity to do yeah. it. 
Um, and I, I think that giving your attorneys some idea of the topics or the questions that you really want to be asked, it just makes you happier as a client because you feel like, you know, I, I, I got my answers that I needed. Yeah. I mean, there, there have been some, you know, bombshell depots in my career. It's funny you mentioned, you know, questions, but I, I remember one where wife, unbeknownst to our client, was an adult film star and the client had no idea. And we decided to drop that bomb in a depot that we knew. And, you know, is this you? And it settled pretty quickly. It's really interesting what, how effective a deposition can be uh, to expose lies, you know, secrets, whatever it is. Uh, or you know, or strengths of a case. Now, necessarily, I'm, unless I really think I'm going to win right there and get it settled, I necessarily don't always put out uh, my best uh, uh, evidence at a depot. But again, it's something important. So let's talk just real quickly about particular cases and how they can help clients financial. You know, I know that it, off the top of my mind, if guys thinking, well, why should I do it from a financial perspective? One that comes to my mind, I'm curious your input is, maintenance cases. If I have a maintenance case, an underemployed or an unemployed spouse, I want to talk about what efforts are you making to get a job? What efforts are you making to seek education, to you know better yourself, to uh, educate, to employ, to train? I want to ask all those questions. And a lot of the times I do ask them, it's nothing. Well, are you going back to school? No. Are you looking for a job? No. Are you going, you know, training, anything? No. And so it really sets your case up because in Missouri particularly, self-help is important. You have an obligation to get into education, to better yourself, to do whatever it takes to, to kind of mitigate you know, that. So from, from a financial perspective, that helps, but I'm curious what your thought is. Right, we have something similar in Ohio. Our law um, has a underemployed element to it where if you're voluntarily unemployed or voluntarily underemployed, mm -hmm. um, sometimes that really matters for cases. So, uh, especially when we're talking about maintenance, because the court can impute the party to a higher income, meaning that if I make zero dollars, but I'm capable of making 60000 the court could say, well, we're just going to think about you as a $60,000 earner. Yeah. So, I think that depositions are an important tool there, and I would say, I'd probably ask the same questions that you went through, Scott. One of the other things that I would just add in is that you can then use uh, your deposition with all the with all the answers that you received in that deposition and give it to your expert if you're doing a vocational assessment of that person and then your vocational expert would have a little bit of a framework to work within and would know if that person was then being dishonest if they had answered their questions differently when they completed you know whatever the expert's process was yeah so in custody, I know I alluded to it earlier about kind of preparing yourself to get all the reasons why you may want 50-50 and then, you know, your wife may be seeing one night a week every other weekend and only, you know, sole legal. I'm going to want to know all those. Why? Tell me what justification do you have to request sole legal? Why is my client not capable of equal time? And, you know, my favorite question is always, now, let me just suggest to you, if I gave you the one night a week and every other weekend, would that be okay with you? Is that frequent and meaningful contact? And the answer is always, well, of course not. Then why is it frequent and meaningful for my client? And they don't have an answer unless their attorneys prep them for it. But I think those are things from a custody perspective I could, I could glean. What do you think? I think that the question of why is the mm -hmm. reason you do a deposition because you want to know the why in the safe space of a deposition. 
Um, and like you said, if your client happened to not tell you something that then you're going to need to help them with to prepare for trial, um, asking why might bring out that thing that maybe, and maybe your client just didn't think it was important, but you know as the lawyer that it's important. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a very important thing to get into in any kind of a custody deposition. And I would want to know, um, you know, are they, um, who, who watches the children? Have they been making unilateral decisions like without your client? Did they, uh, without the other parent, go to a new doctor for the children and not tell the person? Um, there's a bunch of different things I think that you can get into in terms of asking questions in a deposition, in a custody scenario. And in Ohio, at least, if you have your guardian ad litem sitting there, the person that's going to issue a recommendation and a report on how custody and parenting time should proceed, that person sitting there listening to all of it, and maybe that parent who's being deposed is not as carefully crafted as they were in their guardian interview. So you can really score a lot there. And a deposition could have a long-term impact. It is an added expense to your case, but I don't find that it's that large of an expense. Certainly trial is a much larger expense than deposition. Yeah, totally. Well, Carolyn, thanks so much. I know uh, I've got so much more I could cover with all the experience and you too is on the deposition front. But uh, if you want to learn more, thanks for joining though. If you want to learn more, go to YouTube and find out more about depositions. We have all kinds of stuff out there. So again, thanks for giving uh, a great uh, input and uh, from your experience on depositions and why they're important. Thanks for joining today. Thank you. So again, go to CordellCordell.com, check us out on social media, and tune in twice each week and listen to things just like this, where we're going to give you the topics that you need to hear to uh, ask questions of your attorney and find out if it's appropriate for you. So continue to tune in, submit questions, uh, join to our virtual town hall coming up in January, again, where you can log in live and ask questions and get answers right there uh, of our Cordell and Cordell attorneys. If you need a consult, you can call us at 866-DADS-LAW, again, or check us out at CordellCordell.com. Until next week, have a good weekend.